All right, good morning. All right, I'm glad there's a few people awake. Would you stand with us this morning as we worship our Savior with Lion and the Lamb? Coming on the clouds, King and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, the broken heart declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's Solid rock I stand 
morning. I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I want to read to you one verse from Matthew 23, verse 12. Jesus speaking, he says, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a very simple verse. It's very difficult to live out. It's difficult to humble ourselves. But when you think about Jesus, it's easy to see that he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. That example of humility needs to be what we practice as Christians. In order to be saved, to accept the gospel, you have to humble yourself. You have to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Christians today, it's our job to continually submit our will to his in order to glorify him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that as we collect this offering, that it will go forth to spread the gospel. The gospel is humbling, Lord. It puts us in our place. It sets us against you as sinners who need to be saved. But you were so loving that you provided your son to die a brutal death and rise again so that we could be saved. But, Lord, it requires submission. It requires humility day by day, not just one time, but every day we need to submit to you. Help us to do that and glorify you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we uh, take our time today, many of you got the or received the um, <clears throat> the crosstalk announcement that today, in conjunction with our worship service, we're also um, we'll be having a, our business meeting, our annual business meeting, toward um, in conjunction with. Let me just leave it at that. So um, we're not rushing through anything. We never want to rush through anything, but at the same time. Um, it's a little bit abbreviated today, but the good news is if you give your focused attention to our Lord, you don't have to worry about time. Time's not an issue. He wants our worship, and that's all that it really is, but um, I am grateful for us to be able to be here together, seeing so many faces, and you think, sometimes you may wonder, well, if nobody knows if I'm here or not. Why? Well, happened to notice, I said, I haven't seen Barb Tharp in a couple weeks. And I, then I found out that one week we had the threat of snow, and she had the joy of going out to a dead battery last, last Sunday morning. Why on Sunday morning? And have you seen the batteries? Mm, don't get me started. But the, it's, you, you're missed when you're not here is ultimately what, uh, what we, you, I want you to know, uh, even though you may think that may not be the case. This morning we are going to open our Bibles to John chapter 11. I love when I'm able to stand up here and say, turn in your Bibles to, and your heads go down and pages open. I love that. It's one of my favorite scenes. And John chapter 11, you may be thinking, well, why in the world are we doing John chapter 11? Um, how do you choose what to, what to pre, uh, preach on Sunday mornings? Well, this is uh, actually, because I knew it was going to be a little bit abbreviated, so I wanted to pick up where we are on Sunday night on Facebook Live. So tonight on Facebook Live, we were going to be in John 11, 1 through 4. We're going to do that this morning. I did want to take a moment while you're turning to John 11, 1 through 4, and talk about Facebook Live tonight. I want to continue on in John 11, but I also want to take the time and talk about our gospel conversation cards that we filled out last week. I have them on my desk, and um, we came last Sunday morning, and we placed those cards down here. What are the, what's so important about those cards? On those cards, I had you write three initials of somebody that you love, somebody you may not even know. I mean, it could be all over the map here, that needs Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I know it can feel like, and the more we talk about it, you can feel like, Pastor, stop talking about it so much. I don't want people to think that, that I'm better than them. I don't want them to think that, that we have the answers and they need to, they need to get it right and, and all these things. What we're really doing is we're going to the Lord on the behalf of people that need a Savior. Like somebody did for you. Just like somebody did for you. Somebody most likely prayed for you. And that's why we're praying for others. And by the way, if someone were to say, hey, Pastor Scott, I'm praying for you, I don't go. Well, what for? What are you praying for? 
I'll take all the prayer I can get. I've had people come by and just say, hey, I prayed for you. Not even of our church. I'll take all the prayer that, that, that you want to send my way. I'll take it as long as to our God. But John chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. We come to an interesting point here because John, uh, in the book of John, I should say, um, this, is, he's, this is the recording of Jesus' last public ministry. His last public ministry. What do I mean by that? For three years that he was on the earth, he had a, what is known as a public ministry. He started at about age 30, and his public ministry lasted until he was about 33. And he did some, some biggies. He did some biggins. He, he, he also did some small things that, that weren't even recorded. But when it's a miracle, is a miracle. How, how can you gauge the size of it? If it's something supernatural, they're all big. Amen? Has God done a miracle in your life? Mm, trick question, isn't it? If you're drawing your next breath, you have a miracle in your life. Let me tell you why. Because he showed mercy and didn't give us what we deserve. His grace is a miracle in and of itself. Unmerited favor. Why would he do that for us? I don't know. I'm just a willing uh, a recipient. But we come to this last great miracle in his public ministry. Uh, maybe the greatest of all, and I'm using that tongue in cheek, raising someone, a man from the dead. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Look in verse 1 with me of Matthew, uh, sorry, how about John 11. And we're, again, we're going to look at these four verses and draw application. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who, anoint, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, Sick, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So let's look at these first four verses and see what we can learn and glean. Are you ready to go? Let's go. Lazarus. Just look at that name for a moment. You think, well, I've, I've, heard, he, I've heard him in the Bible before. We read through the Bible last year. I've heard that name before. There's actually two different uh, men by the name of Lazarus that are mentioned in the Bible. Lazarus, not the Lazarus from Luke 16. This is the Lazarus from John chapter 11. So every time you read a name in the Bible, don't assume it's the same person. It's a different time, different location. It would, it would be equivalent to saying Andrew and Spencer are the same. Trust me, they're not. They are not the same. They're twins, right? They have a lot of similarities, but they're their own individuals. And let's do a little compare and contrast for just a moment. You can keep your, keep your finger there in John uh, 11. If you want, you can uh, go to Luke 16. If you desire, you don't have to turn there. I just want to compare contrast. But I want you to notice something about these two. And you think, well, why are you spending so much time can't you just say they're two different people? No, because how God works in people's lives matters. How we receive how God's working in our lives matters as well. So I'm going to call one Lazarus 16. I'm going to call the other one Lazarus 11. Are you with me? Lazarus 16 is from Luke 16. Lazarus 11 is from John chapter 11. You're going to see that Lazarus 16 was a beggar. He was a beggar, and, uh, but John uh, in, in Lazarus 11 was a man of means. He was a man of means. He, you could see it in the, in the reading of when it talks about his life. He had a place. He had a place where people could come. He was received. He had, in fact, you're going to see the next one. Lazarus 16 was uncared for. He was a beggar. We call that homeless today. He, he, needed, uh, he needed cared for John 11, Lazarus 11, he had sisters to care for him. Man, can we just pause for a minute? Isn't it great when you're ailing or sick to know that you have somebody that you can trust? 
that can care for you when you're down and out. Because there is a lot of people that do not have that. They, they don't have anybody to care for them. I mean, I get a little runny nose and I'm laying on a sick, laying on the couch, and I, Carla's got a just make me sick, make me better. We have this debate over who's tougher when they're sick, men or women. Um, this guy depended, he, he was uncared for. But Lazarus, the other Lazarus, he had a support group. He had people there. Don't overlook that. Lazarus 16, he demanded, or he was, uh, uh, he depended on crumbs. He was begging for food. He, anything he could get. But in Lazarus 11, you see it in chapter 12, he ate dinner at a table. Boy, there's a big difference, isn't there? When you think about where your next meal is going to come from, we in this room don't really have to think about that much. Our biggest concern, we may not know what we're going to have for lunch, but I guarantee you in the next three hours, you put something in that hole under your nose. Guarantee you're going to be, you may not be thinking about it, or you may be thinking about it, but we know that we have the accessibility to food. You know, the more I associate with different people groups, not everybody has that. And it's not too far from these four walls as well. So this Lazarus 16 depended on crumbs, begging for crumbs. And the other Lazarus sat at a table and ate. The Lazarus 16 uh, died and remains in the grave. But Lazarus 11 was brought back to life. Compare and contrast. When we do that, now we want to be careful not to compare our spiritual life and our Christian life in that way, but it doesn't hurt us from time to time to look at what we have. Look at what you have and it'll appreciate. It'll cause you to appreciate it instead of worrying about what you don't have. We have so much. And when we look at these two, God, they're in the Bible on purpose. So I want you to get a good clear picture of this Lazarus that we're talking about in John 11. He had things pointed in his right direction, and then he becomes sick. Now he's sick. So when we look at it in verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, and Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany has two meanings. This town has two different, uh, um, sometimes towns are named after a person, place, or thing. Bethany has two meanings, house of figs or house of affliction is what the term means. You may think, well, pastor, you've only read one line and you've talked for 10 minutes and you're going over some small things. Why does this matter? It matters because it's in the word of God. There's a purpose to everything in the word of God. Verse 1, it was a town of Mary and Martha, her sister, her sister Martha. Luke 10 lets us know that they were known. That's the point. Why in the world, in John 11, would he say a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, you got a name, now you got a place, and he's known, it's the town of Mary and Martha. They had the reputation, they had the, uh, the recognition. But I want you to look with me in, um, going back to Luke 10, if you will. Go to Luke 10. And I want you to see why we are pointing these things out. And why it's so important as we draw application. What do we know about Mary and Martha? At this point, Lazarus is getting his, um, his recognition from the notoriety of his sisters. Now, uh, that happens in our lives, doesn't it? Where in a sibling, um, I'm the youngest of eight. When I went to high school, some of the teachers, I would jog their memory and they would see my last name and they were like, we had your sisters. Zuh, plural, right? So sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. You can be guilty by association, you can be blessed by association. In your own family, you figure that out, where you fall in that line. But then the town of Mary and Martha, and Luke 10 lets us know why they were known. Watch this, Luke 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village... And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. One of few homes that had opened the doors to the Lord in recorded scripture. There were others, but not many. 
Remember, the, 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 the skeptics were still out on Jesus Christ's public ministry. Who is this guy? What's he doing? He's saying things that go against the norm. He's saying things that other people are gravitating to. He was, do you want to be associated with him or not? Do you open your house or not? And so these were, um, in, in verse 38, that Martha welcomed. And notice it says Martha here. I want you to notice Martha, Martha, Martha. It sounds like Marsha, 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 doesn't it? Most people got that. Okay. One of few homes that opened to the Lord. Look in verse 39. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Mary listened intently every time she's, we see her in the Bible. She's listening or serving Jesus Christ. She's listening intently at Jesus' feet. Look in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha was distracted or weighed down is probably the best terminology there with much serving. And um, again, this isn't a time, uh, a message about Mary and Martha and, and the principles and the application of those two. We're recognizing that that's how Lazarus got his name. Right? He's known by them. But I want you to notice this, that Martha, who's doing the better service, service, service to the Lord? Martha, who welcomed him in the house and is serving, that's her love language, we would call it these days, is serving. Or Mary, who's listening. Well, it's a, it's a loaded question that I pose there. Because, if, you know, Martha gets a bad rap on this one. Because she's doing a good thing, but with the wrong heart. But if Martha ain't in the kitchen, ain't nobody eating. I'm just saying. Be careful that your Christian service, your ministry, doesn't become a distraction to your worship. You can get so busy. In fact, look in, look in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Jesus did not uh, commend her for serving too much, but he reproved her. You know what happens we do in church circles? It's what we do in church circles. If someone's in a lot of ministries and they're doing a whole lot of things, a lot of times we'll go, a boy, go, go, go. You're doing great. Jesus is so proud of you. It, that's not what Jesus said to Martha. He's saying your service has become your God. Your service has weighed you down. You're missing the big picture here. He did not commend her for serving too much. She was attempting more than God had called her or equipped her to do. Pastor, what are you saying? You want us to do less at Crosspoint? That's not what I'm saying. I want you to do, I want you to be who Christ wants you to be, and I want you to do what He wants you to what He would have you to do. Genuine ministry is called uh called for not many ministries. Genuine ministry over many ministries. Look at verse 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Needs and wants. Isn't that interesting? Needs and wants. That is a battle that we have in our life, it feels like each and every day. What do I need versus what do I want? Mary needed the Lord. Perhaps Martha wanted approval. Which is easier to do for you? Serve the Lord or sit and listen and, and meditate and think and study? Which is easier for you? Now, don't answer that publicly. But that can be a challenging thought, can it? Sometimes I'd rather be doing. Now, let's go back to John 11. That's these two is how Lazarus is getting his recognition. It's almost like, the scenario of Jesus. You know, he had brothers and sisters. And, you know, I kind of feel for Lazarus in this situation because here's Mary and Martha. Mary seems to be, has her heart given over to the Lord and what's true and right. You got Martha, who's a servitude. And then you got Lazarus kind of going, can't you be more like your sisters? Right? Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had brothers and sisters. You know, we'll do that joke of Joseph and Mary. Did they ever, their brothers and sisters go, can't you be more like Jesus? Well, but Lazarus finds himself in good company, but let's watch what happens as we consider verse 2. 
It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was sick. It was that Mary. A spotlight gets put on an act that she uh, had covered. Mary, in a later ministry, in fact, if you'll turn a page over to chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 3. John 12, 3. The anointing at Bethany is the subtitle. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Listen. Somebody needs to hear this right here. We must first be ministered to, we must first be ministered unto before we are qualified to minister unto others. Are you with me? Let me, let me, let me say that line again. We must first be ministered to by our Lord before we are qualified to minister unto others. We want to serve out of our overflow. Well, if you're not filled, you're not going to overflow. You need to be filled. So we need to learn how to sit and listen and learn and grow. And then we are filled and we serve out of overflow. But going back to John 11, look in verse 3. Two more verses I want us to consider this morning. Verse 3 says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. In verse 3. The sisters appeal to Christ heart to his to his the deepest part of who Jesus is his heart they are more they they are mad because Jesus allows him let me rephrase it they aren't mad because they uh, Jesus allowed him to be sick did you gra grab that and it even says the word to death we're going to define that in a minute they didn't even appeal the fact that he was sick they just left it up to him look how that reads therefore the sisters sent to him saying Lord, they recognize you are the master. Behold, he whom you love. It wasn't, why did you let him get sick? But the one that you love. He's sick. The wording in their statement is heavy. Lord acknowledges his deity. Oh my goodness, are we not through the book of John? And that's the one word I want us to walk away from the book of John. Yeah, of all the, the, the chapters we're going to be studying, the chapter 11, his deity, his divine nature. That is the one word I want us to be able to sum the book of John up. But when she says Lord, that's what she's saying. Your divine nature, we know who you are, he whom you loved. Christ's love for humanity, for you, supersedes even his love for himself. Did you grab a hold of that? His love for you and humanity, it's greater than his love for himself. I can prove it to you. Spencer, I'm going to have you put on the screen 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 11. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. This is a sim simple verses that reach to our heart. It gives us the, the mindset, the life of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. Beloved, let us love one another. That's a command, by the way. Not just like one another or tolerate one another. But let us love one another. Uh, for love is of God. Everybody say God. God. He's the author of love. He's it. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He's the source. Look in verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. There's the definition. Remember the, the, the statement that I just said a moment ago? That his love for you supersedes his love for himself. Watch the next verse. You're going to see how it happens. In this, the love of God was shown or manifested toward us that God sent his only, son, only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Brad shared this just a moment ago in his prayer. He is selfless, sacrificial, substitutionary love is on the cross. So every time you come to cross point, you hear us go down this, this trail. Don't think, oh, man, they love that cross. They just, it seems so morbid and it's, it's so uh, blood-mongering. And, and no, it's, it's, it's joyous. It's your life. It's your hope. It's your freedom. It's your forgiveness. It's your eternity. 
but it was selfless. It was substitutionary atonement. And his only begotten son into the world that we might live. Say live. Ooh, say live like you're actually living right now. Live. We get to live, right? We get to live and breathe in him. Not someday in heaven. We get to live with him now. Let's try that. Let's try that. Let's live and walk. I like what Randy said this morning. He said, I pray that the Lord would just give me opportunities throughout the day. I'm like, I like that because that puts you on alert. And he said, then I pray that the Lord would help me to recognize them. <laughs> we pray for opportunities. Sometimes they're right in front of us and we miss them. We get to live and he's going to orchestrate our lives. It's a beautiful thing. Um, look at the next verse of John chapter, uh, 1 John 4.10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son uh, to be the propitiation for our sins, the satisfier. He sent his son to satisfy what nobody else could do. Only Jesus Christ could do it. And verse 11 actually drives the point home. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. How did they know it? What did he say? What did they see? What did he do? They knew it. Or they wouldn't have said it. They wouldn't have been able to say it. And then the word, the, whom you love is sick, in 11.3 of John. Look in, in, in 11.3, sick. The effects of dying is actually the Greek word here. It's the Greek word. The effects of dying. What are the effects of dying? Shallow breath. Laboring to keep the heart beating and pumping. So when it says that Lazarus, behold, whom you love is sick, it's not that he has a cold. The word there is he has the effects of dying. He's dying before their eyes. And they would have known what death looked like. So Jesus got the message. That's what they're saying. Behold, he whom you love is dying, has the effects of dying. He got it. So he understands the message. And then verse 4. And now it cranks up because we see these in red letters. When Jesus heard that, he said, Sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now that's a peculiar answer to Lazarus as it looks like he's dying. Jesus heard that. He fully understands. So why the cryptic mysteriously worded statement here within earshot of his disciples and all those that were gathered. He did not mean that Lazarus would not die, but that death would not be the final outcome of his sickness. That's what he's saying there. We're all going to die. In case you don't know this, unless the rapture happens, we're going to step off this earth. Okay? It is appointed to man once to die. If you didn't know that, there's your newsflash today. We're not going to live forever in this state. But watch what happens. He uses that cryptic and he's, he's giving them a message that this sickness will not be his final outcome. Now, please be careful not to name and claim that verse for your own. Like, I'm going to claim that verse. Like Jesus told Lazarus, I'm, not, I'm sick. I may have something even terminal, but I'm not going to die because I'm going to claim verse 4. That may be what God chooses for you. The the deity, Christ is the one saying the outcome. Are you with me? Christ is the one saying what the outcome will be. The purpose of a sickness is to glorify God. That's what he says clearly. Like in John 9 with the blind man. Remember the guy? Man, we, we went over that in great detail. He was born blind. You know, why? Who's sick? His parents or him? Or what, what's up with that dude? And um, the, Jesus says, so that the, the works of the Father and glorified. That's what he's saying, the same thing right here. Ultimately, Christ's glory is what will happen. Men will glorify Christ as the true Messiah. So as we take verse 4, what, how can we apply that to our lives in this shorter amount of time? Here's the question. Do you trust the Lord with your life? That's a question that you have to answer in your own heart. I can't answer it for you. The person next to you can't. Do you trust him fully with your life? Mary and Martha 
looks like they, they have and have their own struggles. We see Lazarus, whom he loved. We assume that love is reciprocated back. Looks like they're trusting Jesus with their life. But would you trust him with your earthly life even when it doesn't make sense? Listen, this doesn't make sense from our reasoning. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would say that. If someone tells me somebody's sick, the first thing I want to know is, well, how can I pray? What do I do? What, what, are we, what's, what, what do we... But the one who has all the answers and all the power delays. They had to trust. Are you able to do that? Are you able to trust with your earthly life, even when it doesn't make sense? Well, the application as believers is this. Be encouraged to live this out when things seem bad and your family and your co-workers and life is happening, just life's happening, and it seems bad. Encourage you to live this out. I can promise you this through scripture, that God is up to something. What I can't promise you is that I can tell you what it is. I don't have that ability. I don't want that ability. We trust him. God is up to something in the believer's life. Are you willing? Are you a willing participant or a reluctant follower as the world is watching? And here's the application for us as we personalize it. Last week we had prayer cards up here. Gave index cards. Everybody wrote three initials on there. People. Those people are also watching your witness as you live your life. Your everyday life. As a believer, what did you do this week? How'd you do just even yesterday as people were watching? And that's not to put a spotlight on you and say you have to be perfect, you have to be all the time, but it is a chance for us to reflect on our lives. What are our attitudes like? What kind of attitude did people pick up from you as you moved throughout your day yesterday? Was it God honoring? Was it God fulfilling? Or was it a disgrace or maybe a little embarrassing at times. That's loaded. And don't ask, I won't ask your spouse next to you. That's a question for you to answer in your own heart. I had an opportunity yesterday, and this is how I'll conclude. Um, a, a car across the street, I, they had been there for a while, and I didn't really piece it all together. And I noticed uh, about after an hour, I was like, well, oh, they're broke down. I didn't know they broke down. I, I'll go help. So um, I went over there, and he had a flat tire. Thank you, Aaron, for your compressor. I just happened to borrow that. And um, loaded up full of air. They had a flat tire. And in my mind's eye, while the compressor's running, I'm going, you know what? This is great. I like helping people. I'm going to do this thing, and we're going to fill up their tire. Let's see how the conversation goes. Gospel conversations, right? This is, this is going, you get things in a certain way in your mind, how it's going to go. So as I'm there, um, fill up. The, the spare tire, and I, I was uh, the lady and the young girl, the husband, I went to the store, and um, I'm filling up the tire, and um, I really didn't get to say much, and she says, I want to thank you so much, I want to offer you something, what can I offer you? I'm like, I don't, we don't need anything, I just want to make sure you get the air pressure right, and then she said, well, actually, here, I got some beer for you, if you want a beer. <laughs> I said, well, no, actually, uh, I, don't, I don't need that, let me get the tire first, I'm, I'm trying to work it towards something, I'm getting the tire up to pressure. And, uh, and then she went over the different flavors that she had. So it wasn't just a, I had some options here. But I was trying to get to the point of the conversation. And I even said this, no, no, I, I don't drink. And she, the interrupting and the, the little girl was, was there too as well. In your mind's eye, it's going to go like this. I'm going to fill your tire and I'm going to sit on the curb with you. How's your life going? What's your life look like? Is your life full? You ever think about what life's like when we step off this earth? And let the conversations happen and listen. It never got there. It never got there. The little girl started playing with things and tugging on things. And then I was shared with her as we're at the tire. I said, see this tire right here is slit right here. It can't be fixed. And she goes, yeah, but you can fix it. I said, no, I can't fix your tire. It's in, in the, and the little girl said, we got tape, mommy. So it, the, the wheel, the conversation just fell off. It did not go like we, like we draw them up. 
trust him with your life. People are watching. They, they, they're, they're watching. They're looking for hope. They really are. They're looking for answers and truth. But as we pray for people, don't forget that your words and your actions are very instrumental in how we uh, communicate this gospel conversation. By the way, more of what I just did right here, I, that's coming in the weeks ahead. Of how do you have a conversation? How, what are the conversation starters? That's the easy part. But actually being able to share Jesus Christ, that's a moving target sometimes, isn't it? And I want to share that tonight on Facebook, I think, uh, I'll probably, I don't know if I'm doing more of John 11, or I may take some time with the prayer cards as well and talk about them just a little bit more. But that is our application of scripture for today. Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your word today and uh, the ability for us just to have a place to meet, the excitement that we can have when we come here. So as we take this time now, um, and even though we transition into a business meeting, it's your business, and it's important. So may, us, may we be well-pleasing to you as we live our life. And these moments that happen, like Randy was praying, Lord, give me the opportunity and then cause us to be aware of it when it's there and let you have it. You dictate, you orchestrate our lives that are well-pleasing to you. And then we don't have to worry and we don't have to fret as we're so prone to do. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for being our Savior and Holy Spirit, for being patient and working with us in a way that only you can to form us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen. So, Amen. As we take this time and transition into our business meeting, um, we're going to take just a moment or two. I might have Pastor Roger come. Do you have an announcement or two? Yeah. And um, right on the heels of that. But I would also say this. If you have if you're a member of Cross Point Baptist Church and you haven't signed in at the back or at least printed in, uh, make sure to sign in at the back. If you're a member of Cross Point Baptist Church, Pastor Roger will make an announcement or two and then we're going to transition right into our business meeting uh, to be best, be good with our time. All right, I'm not Roger, but um, I do have a couple announcements. So today was, um, I handed out your secret sister. So I think there's only a few of you who, I don't actually think they're here. So if you are here and you didn't get it, please see me afterwards. Um, and then today is the last day to register for our Gatlinburg trip. That is March 16th, 17th, and 18th um, with your $50. So um, we have, I think, like 16 signed up right now, which is one of our bigger groups that we've had. So it is going to be so much fun. We are all looking forward to it. So if you have any questions, see me or Betty afterwards. Um, but today is the last day to do that because we'll be uh, booking our cabin. All right, make sure you get all those uh, ladies' announcements. I said it's easier just for her to uh, to give those than for me to try and uh, give them for her. So everything's clean and everything. So I did want to make mention a couple of things going on. Be sure to get the February announcement sheet that's, that's out there. We have a couple of things going on. Uh, the loss of uh, spouse, uh, grief share ministry will be having their loss of spouse day on uh, February the 18th at 1030 that's a Saturday morning. Uh, Steadfast Life class will be going out to a luncheon after uh, Sunday service on the 19th. And then the New Life group has uh, several uh, activities going on through this time. And then all the ladies' ministries, men's uh, Bible studies will be taking place later in February and March. So look forward to that. A couple of things uh, real quick. Uh, as we think of this, the gospel conversations uh, weekly and and. Uh, I just want to share one verse, and it's 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you being watchful in all things, enduring afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We all have a ministry. We all have a ministry as believers, sharing this in my class this morning. Uh, and part of that is to be doing the work of an evangelist. 
and we were covering several things. I'm not going to cover all of that this morning, but I just wanted to share a thing. An evangelist is a bringer of good news. We are all carrying that good news of Jesus Christ uh, that we can share with others. So when it talks about fulfilling our ministry, we're to be an evangelist, and that's for everyone, not just the pastor, not just somebody that goes to a circuit you know, around the churches sharing. So we want to remember that. We need to pray. We need to uh, have compassion and love for others. Pastor's talking about that, that we have love for one another. And uh, we're to be in the word. Those are several things that are characteristics of an evangelist. Now, you, get, you have those characteristics because the Holy Spirit uh, gives them to you. And that makes you an evangelist. You don't say, well, I'm going to be an evangelist and therefore I get to get all these things. So our job is to use the ministry that God has given us, those traits of love, sharing the word, prayer, all those things, to become the evangelist that God intended us to be, sharing the good news with other people whenever we have that conversation. Just like Pastor, every time is not going to work out perfect, but sometimes we ought to always be looking for the reason of hope that, that lies within us of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. So remember that. And with that... You are dismissed. Any announcements about getting the kids in and the nursery and all that? All right. You are dismissed to our business meeting. <coughs>